You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Enemy of My Enemy podcast. Uh, ordinarily, we've got a full panel today. We may just have me today, and that is just okay, unless you don't like the sound of my voice. In that case, this is going to be a skipperoo for you. Uh, thank you for hanging tough, all our loyal listeners. I have been on vacation uh, for the last couple of weeks. It was kind of a vacation. I actually went to fin- fix up a rental property in Colorado, but my family's in Colorado, so... After fixing that guy up uh, for a couple of days, we, uh, well, huge days too. Uh, God bless my family for helping me out, but uh, it was it was rough. But that guy's all good now. Um, should be able to sell that for a butt ton of money, but don't tell the IRS that. I know they're looking for some extra revenue this time of year, so I would prefer to not pay that if at all possible. But yeah, I hung out with my family. Uh, for those who think this is some kind of a weird deep fake, I understand why. If you're watching live, I got myself a lot of sunburn, which has turned into a suntan, at least for now, which you might think, oh, nice. But for me, that means I'm about to have all my skin peel off within the next 24 hours. So enjoy this look now. This is as close as I get to tanned. Uh, and my voice might sound deep because I also picked up a cold on my last day there. And it is just a cold. We were tested. It is not COVID. It is just a regular cold. I wish I could join you in that excitement, but unfortunately, it is just a cold. Uh, Brian and Lou uh, wanted to be here desperately, of course. Uh, Lou is, um, unfortunately, while I was on break and complaining about sunburn, she was complaining about, well, she wasn't complaining. She was bringing to light that she's dealing with some pretty serious health issues right now. Not my story to tell, although I know she's been plenty open with you listeners. Uh, If you follow her, Please send Lou Grindstaff McKinnon some love. Let her know you love her. Uh, she is great. I miss her a lot. She is one of the three left libertarians that I don't want to punch in the face. Uh, <laughs> then there's uh, Brian. Brian got a surprise visit from his grandson today. He also could use a little love too. So if you want to tell Brian, Wolgamuth, W-O-H-L something, that uh, he is awesome. He is awesome. I mean, this is just telling people the truth. I'm not asking you to do anything. But they could both use some pick-me-ups today if you wouldn't mind sending some love their way. Until then, you get my fake deep voice because when you have a cold, I always feel like I sound, I can actually hit the low voices in like the Johnny Cash stuff. My first tenor voice is absolutely gone. Sounds a little sexy, but I am just playing under the weather. I'm sure it won't sound sexy when when I get going here. But we are going to talk about the... Inflation Reduction Act today, uh, and maybe a little more. Well, obviously, when I'm solo, there's only so long I can talk before I even bore myself. So if I have more time, I'll talk about more stuff later. Uh, But today, the Inflation Reduction Act, it actually, people kind of became aware of it. And then as soon as we became aware of it, it passed the Senate and is going to the House where uh, it should likely pass, because if it can pass the Senate, which is tied 50-50, uh, the Democrats kind of well own the House, so you'd think it would pa- pass pretty easily there, but we will see. Uh, 
<clears throat> now I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to talk about it in a lot of detail, but here's the thing is if you are a member of the public, such as myself, you only have one page of this bill to read. This bill is actually 755 pages, but so far what's publicly available is one page, a one page summary uh, made available by uh, the Democratic Party. So as far as what we're seeing, is it accurate? Probably not. So you say, well, why are you going to talk about it if you don't know all the details yet? Uh, there's plenty in here to tear apart. This whole thing is a total scam. Um, and it's kind of hardly disguised. And so we're going to go over that today. And therefore, you, if you're listening to this episode, will know, because I'm going to read the page, and, and with, of course, some commentary, but you will know everything, literally everything the public knows about this. All right. So summary, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 will make a historic down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation, invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing, and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030. That's a lie, but I'll get to that in a moment. The bill will also allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drug prices and extend the, affordable, the expanded Affordable Care Act program for three years through 2025. That's the opening paragraph. Uh, so if some of you were kind of saying that sounds like a tax and spend bill, cause you always say, well, we'll tax to make money and then spend money. And then we always end up spending more than we tax. You're not wrong. Uh, this is, that's exactly what I hear as well. And we're going to get into the details here. Second paragraph, the new proposal for the fiscal year 2022 budget reconciliation bill will invest approximately $300 billion in deficit reduction. So Okay, so we're going to invest $300 billion, so get rid of that. And we're going to spend $369 billion in energy and climate change programs over the next 10 years. Okay, so we're spending a ton of money, spending $369 billion, carving off $300 billion. Again, that's a net negative, uh, so you're still spending more than you're making. Again, wacky. I'll keep going. Additionally, the agreement calls for comprehensive permitting Regislate. Uh, it, it, this sounds like it shouldn't be a complete sentence, but it is. Additionally, the agreement calls for comprehensive permitting reform legislation to be passed before the end of the fiscal year. Permitting reform is essential to unlocking domestic energy and transmission projects, which will lower costs for consumers and help us meet our long-term emission goals. So they're talking about giving permits to presumably energy companies. Again, if you're a free market lover like me, you are going to read this and hear this, and you're going to say, uh, all right, this sounds like you could just let the free market do it because all you're doing is restricting the number of permits that go out. Yep, you're absolutely right. That's what's going on. So what they're saying is we're going to be a little more allowing you to get this energy than what we've been before. We need some reform in this area because we're, we've only been giving out this many permits for clean energy and we should give out a lot more. Okay, so first of all, when you, when you hear things about like the climate crisis, keep in mind, this is very much caused by our government. Our market has been trying to fix this problem. They've only been allowing their corporate allies and the people who have invested into their campaigns to actually produce clean energy and now they're going to consider letting a few of you plebeians maybe a few more i guarantee the ones they're going to allow 
it, it's not your mom. It, there's no mom and pop clean energy that's going to pop up. It's going to be people that have invested in politicians and their and their uh, their elections. Okay, top line estimates. So now we just get to a bunch of numbers. Total revenue raised. So this is the money that they're making us. That they're saying they're going to make us. Total revenue raised seven hundred thirty nine billion dollars. Decent chunk of change. Now, if you keep in mind that we spend, oh, let's check out the U.S. debt clock real quick. What do you think we spend? Make a guess in your head of what the U.S. spends every year. We're going to get U.S. debt clock, but of course, this needs to be .org and not .com. I'm just a goofball. Okay, so we spend on a yearly basis $6 trillion right now, right now. So $6 trillion is what we spend. So this is saying we're going to raise an extra over the next 10 years, $739 billion. That's chump change, but you know what? At least they're raising something. Let's see how they raise it and see if they're going to manage to hit that $739 billion. Bullet number one, they're just going to increase corporate taxes to a minimum of 15%. And that should raise about $313 billion in their estimation. Uh, here is the thing. Whenever there is a tax assessed, and they predict how much they will make. They never make that amount. And they're always flabbergasted. They're like, man, we really thought we were going to make that amount. So when you're a business, especially a wealthy business, and you are able to not pay taxes in one country or another country or one county or another county or one state or another state, you are able to move. Or you are able to funnel costs elsewhere. At the very least, remember this, kids. You don't tax a business. If you do, you actually tax their employees, their product, their benefits. You're, you're never actually taxing the business. We love to think there's some business being taxed, right? Like the building of McDonald's just somehow forked over 15% of its value. No, you were taxing everybody in there 15%. What does that mean? It means you get lower quality. As a guy who's worked in a restaurant during tax increases, uh, I remember this very specifically for Applebee's. Lower quality product, lower quantity of the product. So all of a sudden you're making salads. You're or used to, to tossing in seven ounces of romaine. Suddenly you're tossing in five ounces of romaine. We don't like to mess with the price as much because like customers notice prices, although prices do, of course, go up on food. I'm sure you've noticed, especially if you are a restaurant connoisseur, these increasing prices. But they much prefer to take it out on their product before they take it out on their price. Um, the other thing that it comes out of, the employees. We hire less. We give them less hours. We give them less benefits. Um, we might not. You might say, like, well, that's just because you're unethical. Well, a lot of these restaurants I was running made somewhere annually between like a two and 3%, I think is the average on their profit. So when somebody says, oh, there's just going to be this 15% tax you can't dodge when you're making two or 3% annually, that's, that's not inconsequential. They're taxing the overall amount. Suddenly I am negative 13% when I used to be positive 2%. So this means you have to make a lot of these big changes. Um, prescription drug pricing reform, $288 billion. This may be the most insidious part of the entire bill. I'll let you decide. Um, so this is spent every 10 years. 
And all now you might say like, okay, so there's a reform and they're lowering the cost. How is this going to make them more money if we're spending less? Well, it turns out this 288 billion that they're talking about chopping off is purely the federal negotiating value that the feds have with like Medicare and prescription drug companies. That's just the negotiation value at the federal level. So what they're saying is we're going to let Medica Medicare and Medicaid um, d uh, negotiate directly with the pharmaceuticals, cut the federal part out of it, and we make $288 billion over the next 10 years. Why it costs you $288 billion just to negotiate costs between two entities. One of them is another federal entity, I guess, your Medicare. The other is a private entity. So, yeah, okay. All right. So, but should that cost $288 billion for the next 10 years? That averages to $28.8 billion per year. Um, that's spending way too much on whoever your negotiator is, of course business is business but if there's any part of this i guess i can kind of agree with it'd be that you should get that out of the way but at the same time you have to remember this is a, a completely unnecessary by the bill's own admission we the feds didn't have to be doing this in fact they're saying that this will decrease your costs to a maximum of two thousand dollar out of pocket so the feds have actually been negotiating to make your prescription drugs more expensive this entire time and now they put something in the bill to say, you know what, we're going to get out of it. We'll save you $288 billion and you'll actually end up making less because we, the feds, have been pushing to make your drugs more expensive. That is absolutely absurd. It is absolutely evil. And you should absolutely recognize this. Just because it's fixing a government-created problem, we may respect that, doesn't mean that we can't recognize that holy goodness, this was happening the whole time. Really terrible thing there. Again, these are estimations. They always say, oh, I'll bet you'll save a lot of money when this happens. And it often doesn't end up working out that way. Uh, these prescription drug companies, I could go off about that. Obviously, this bill, this episode is about the Inflation Reduction Act. But if you've taken any even cursory look at the medical system that we have here in the States, it's amplified anywhere between like nine and 10 times the cost of what the, the procedures and drugs actually are. Um, and that is purely because we monopolize it, we corporatize it, we edge out the markets. We even edge out other government markets. We're, like it's We're so far away from the free market, we don't even want other, other federal projects interfering anyway but totally separate episode i'll stick with this you know what's up the irs tax enforcement should raise 124 billion dollars okay so we're now actually just going to enforce taxes okay by the by the numbers this doubles the number of irs agents okay so if i double the number of irs agents and I'm expected to make another $124 billion. Let me ask you this. Do you think they are going to double the number of IRS agents to get an extra 100 to 200 billionaires who managed to not get taxed? Would you need to double the size of the IRS in order to do that? No, you really wouldn't. 
And so the issue here is this is not audits going after the richest of us. This is audits going after regular people. Believe me, these people make the richest pay what they got to pay. You've heard about people that have tax evaded that are rich. They do find them. Okay. This is about all the little people that have a tough time filling out taxes. By the way, everybody lies on their taxes, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally. Nobody fills them out correctly. They are too complex to fill out correctly. That is by our own, I can't remember if it was the Congressional Budget Office or the Joint Committee on Taxation, but they they have explicitly stated like 90 plus percent of tax forms that were attempted to be filled out correctly were filled out incorrectly some mistake happened there was some lie on them okay so when we expand the number of agents this is just going to snag a, a whole bunch of people that weren't even trying to lie on their taxes but that are going to get caught and they're going to bleed you for everything that you can they don't like it when you mess around your taxes now that may sound like a spending item and you say but hody i thought we were reading total revenue raised right now we are they're estimating that after doubling the size of the irs that cost will cover itself, plus they'll make an extra $124 billion. Hats off to you guys. I really hope, well, I really hope you don't succeed. But uh, let's hope that this is the first time in history that you're actually right and that spending all that extra money is actually going to correlate in that. This can only be a guess. If they knew how much money they were missing, they would collect it. So they can't know how much money they're missing because if they knew, they would collect it so this is just a guess that they're saying by increasing this number we're going to get a whole bunch more money okay then there's something on this list called the carried interest loophole 14 billion dollars um now looking at this apparently reports are that it's not actually carried interest loophole which is something that hedge fund managers use to uh pay less than what regular people have to do what it actually is <clears throat> Let's see if I can find this in my note here. It is a stock buyback, uh, and it's a 1% excise tax. So the carried interest part, either it's a straight-up lie or they just haven't updated it, or they forgot to put this stock buyback in their bill. Now, I don't know why they do that, because they're estimating that this is what's going to raise the revenue. My guess is they're calling it a carried in. And my guess, I hate to prescribe negative uh feelings towards our uh towards towards our uh our own government here i don't want to I, I don't i would hate to assume that they're doing anything bad but if i had to guess i would say that this is just a straight up lie because they named it something that was unpopular the carried interest loophole which targets head fund managers and they're actually talking about the stock buyback which is actually something that a lot of mom and pop shops use if they want to expand their business. This is you as a business making money and buying your own stocks. This is you betting on yourself. Now, do rich corporations do this? Yeah, sure. Do small businesses that are hitting some success and feel they'll have continued success do this? Also, yes. So this is absolutely something that can punish new business owners. Their estimated profit on it is $14 billion. I read an article th today to say that, well, it could be up to $74 billion, which kind of lets you know exactly how these numbers are converted. Like if you're, it, it, I mean, even just as a mathematician, 14 billion or 74 billion, whatever, we're not quite sure. Somewhere in that range. 
I don't have a lot of surety in what you're selling me. If you can't tell if it's going to be closer to 14 billion or 74 billion, those numbers aren't all that close. But on the sheet, it says 14 billion. So that's what we'll go with. Um, yeah, it's a 1% tax. Here's the biggest thing is the libertarian should be concerned about. This is a new tax. New taxes often start out very little. Remember the income tax? Oh, it's never going to be over this small little quarter of a percent. It's just a couple of percent. Guys, don't worry about it. And now we're hitting everything from what? Uh, set Like in the 30%, right? Depending on who you are. At the very least, 10%, even if you're in like the low brackets. Um, these things go up, right? So this is a new tax, which can be adjusted as all taxes are. And they're going to start it at 1% and just say, ah, it's just 1%. Then suddenly investing in your own company is going to be 2%, 5%, 10%. It's going to go up and up. Okay. So that's the revenue raise. These are the revenue raising mechanisms. They're going to get themselves out of prescription drugs. They're going to create a corporate tax. They're going to double the size of the IRS. And they are going to create this uh, 1% tax on investing in your own business. Now, I know this is going to surprise you because it's an Inflation Reduction Act, So, but because all that should matter is that they're raising revenue, right? There shouldn't be any spending in a an Inflation Reduction Act because that would create more inflation if we're trying to fix things. Oh, oops. Turns out we are spending some money. We only have two things listed on this bill but I'm gonna, or in this uh, sheet that I have, but I'll get to it in a minute. Total investments. Investments, sorry. I think I said spending. Spending is the wrong word. Investments is the correct word. 300 or uh, sorry, 433 billion. Energy security and climate change, 369 billion dollars. Okay. They are also estimating that this will, oh, you know what? I'll get to this on their bullet points down below, the 40% lie that they've kind of made up here because that's important to address that. Okay. So they're going to spend 369 billion dollars on energy security and climate change. All right. Um, because I don't have access to the full 755 page bill, I can't tell you how, but I will say this, this would be something like the hundred millionth climate change bill and energy reduction policy thing that we've passed. That's, that's an exaggeration. I think we passed something around on the federal level. It's, it's, it's in the double digits. We passed a lot before. None of them have actually paid for themselves all of them have said they're going to pay for themselves. So that's something to think about. I am a big, as I mentioned, there are free marketeers that are trying to get into the clean energy market. I understand. I like, I like free energy. I like solar energy. I like water. I like wind. I like nuclear. These are things we absolutely should be investing in. And nuclear reactors, from what I understand, are part of this this bill not building more but keeping ones that would be shut down open which is slightly concerning but uh hopefully we don't chernobyl ourselves either way it's keeping ones that would be shut down open and then investing in other clean energy the thing is is when the government does it there tends to be a lot of bureaucracy and when you compete on the competitive competitive market thing is is a competitive market it's okay with making like 0.5% 1% i mentioned the restaurant business two to three percent profit i'm good with that so when you only have when you have a little bureaucracy for example some bureaucracy 
oh, you know, 10% of it kind of got wasted or spending on oversight. Okay, well, now all of a sudden a free marketeer, which would have made you 8% or, you know, made you 2% is now losing 8% with that 10% swing. Because this is going to be bureaucratic, there's no way these things are going to pay for themselves. Energy security is nice. It's great sounding. I hope it works out. The thing is, is these things haven't in the past. And because I don't have access to the full 755-page bill, as it stands, my guess is that this is also not going to work out. But, and it's also going to cost more than what it says. Remember all those windmill projects? Oh, it's just $80 billion. It's only cost... And that ballooned up to $240 billion. Now, here's the thing. When these costs balloon, you don't have to pass a new bill. They just, they just pay for it. Right? So the thing is, you could make up anything here. They might as well say, this is going to save us, save us $10.5 trillion. And then when it ends up saving us $1 million, they're like, well, yeah, I knew it was going to be something. You're just guessing anyway. And... Like I said, they kind of they're kind of spitballing these numbers a little bit. Okay, next part: Affordable Care Expansion or Affordable Care Act extension, sixty-four billion dollars. Now, this particular extension only lasts for the next three years, so it'll go till twenty twenty-five, right? At which case, the Affordable Care Act will have no more money, and it will go and be belly up. What happens in the year twenty twenty-four? The year before. This thing expires. Oh, there's an election in 2024. Oh, okay. So unlike everything else here where we're projecting out these 10-year whatever deals, that one's going to be just three years. Because then all of a sudden, in two years, when everybody's campaigning, well, remember, guys, you could lose your health care. You, you could lose your health care if you don't vote for us, right? This is very heinously timed. And it's very intentionally timed because it's way out of sync with the rest of the bill. Because the rest of the bill is at 10% and 10-year projections. This year is at three years because they want to hold it over your head during the next election. Additionally, and this is my this may be my favorite part of the bill because it's the most ironic. Remember how the Affordable Care Act was supposed to say for it pay for itself? Hmm. Why is it that we need to spend a subsidy to keep it afloat? I thought the Affordable Care Act was doing great. I thought it was supposed to pay for itself. Just like this bill, which is supposed to pay for itself. What's going to happen? What happened with the Affordable Care Act? We have to bail it out. We currently have to throw at these lifelines to keep it bailing out. What's going to happen with this bill too? Do you think it's going to be any different? Or do you think in a few years they're going to be like, well, now we got to extend, you know, we got to talk about subsidizing some of this stuff because i thought it was going to pay for itself because but it didn't stuff never pays for itself all right so let's do the math here 739 billion dollars in revenue raised so they say minus 433 billion dollars that they're going to spend so they say and that's a cool 300 bilskis 306 billion dollars they just have a 300 plus billion written on the sheet total deficit reduction because math is hard and doing an exact 300 plus billion just sounds good because you can use your imagination. Whereas $306 billion seems really precise. It's got some asterisks here to say that the money, uh, that these figures were, were produced by the joint 
Committee on Taxation and the Congressional Budget Office. I want you to remember this when you hear that these numbers were produced by the Joint Committee on Taxation, okay? Because I'm going to get to something in a minute here, and that kind of matters. Um, all right, so first of all, in case you're like, well, I thought this was going to deal with inflation. Instead, this is just dealing with the deficit. Yeah. Um, now, inflation is kind of anything that makes the cash supply not worth it technically. So, not worth as much as it should be technically. So you could say that this actually is an inflation reduction bill technically. They aren't actually addressing printing new money. They aren't actually addressing any of their spending, but what they are doing is paying down debt. Now, libertarians, I encourage you to do this. Take this as a huge win and lord it over your Democratic friends. Because if your friends are Democrats, there's a good chance they've argued with you before. You know, the debt doesn't really mean that our currency is actually weaker. This bill is created by Democrats, they literally didn't have to have any Republican support to make this. So whenever you read a bill like, oh, they axed this for the Republicans. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. So just, I've read a few of those today. If they did it, they didn't have to. So why would they? This was entirely in Democratic control. So this bill, produced entirely by Democrats, written entirely for Democrats, is acknowledging that your money is worth less when we have a deficit, when we go into a debt. Okay? So... I think that's huge. <laughs> First of all, I think that's huge because Democrats have been very eager to say, well, I found this article that, and, and Keynes seemed to think that debts didn't really mean, no, debts mean your money isn't worth as much. And this bill is admitting it and props to them for admitting it and saying, yeah, if we keep spending this money, your money is worth less. Okay. So you should take that as a win. It doesn't really directly inflect you know, uh, affect inflation, you know, in fact, it's all about this deficit here, but that is a way to say that your money is weaker if we have high deficits. Okay. So that's something that's a win. Take it to your democratic friends. Um, the other issue that I have is there's nothing mentioned about earmarks and the news has already reported on one earmark. That's $5 billion. That's going to Kristen Cinema to get her on board. You know, she's one of those. That's the nice part about being an edgy Democrat. You get to kind of call some shots. So she's going to get $5 billion for her state. It's going to be for, uh, I believe, drought relief, it says. Um, and if you think all $5 billion is actually going to go towards drought relief, uh, I have a bridge to sell you in Arizona. <laughs> Maybe across the Grand Canyon. Uh, anyhow, bad jokes. But it's not really going to go to that. But the thing is, we already know about that one earmark. We know because it's been reported and talked about. It's not listed anywhere on the sheet. So again, this sheet that they give you, the public, is, oh, you're a big dummy. You know, you're a big goofball. You're, you know, you're too stupid to understand. No, I know what an earmark is. You're, it this whole thing is going to cost an extra $5 billion. It's not listed on here. You could have listed it. You have a thing that says total investments. I have a thing that talks about total expenditures right here on your sheet. You just didn't want to list it. Why didn't you want to list it? Because it's embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? Because it shows you're corrupt. That's why. This isn't about inflation. This is about paying people off to get them to sign this stupid bill. All right. The Joint Tax Committee. 
estimates that your tax, the, the joint tax committee, remember I told you to remember them because we were going to talk about them, that provided the numbers listed here, these estimates, okay? <clears throat> these are their numbers. They estimate that if you may, if your household makes less than half a million dollars in a year, your taxes will increase by $50.8 billion. If you make more than $500,000 a year, I think I might have said million. So this is a half million. So again, if you make less than half a million, taxes will increase by, you know, $50.8 billion. If you make more than half a million dollars in a year, your taxes for that collective will increase by $23.5 billion. That means the poorest Americans will be paying $30.8 billion, while the richest Americans will be paying $23.5 billion. The poorest Americans will be paying, according to the Joint Committee on Taxation that provided the numbers for this bill, the poorest Americans will be paying more than the rich Americans to make this bill happen. Again, Flavor it however you want. I had to do the numbers and dig into it because every uh, news outlet likes to flavor it a very specific way. But I finally I finally found that half a million number and I was like, okay, what's what's below it? What's above it here? And when I saw it, I was just like, that is absolutely absurd. Uh, they, they're not, most of the time, they at least kind of pretend, fake it, that this is going to be a, thing that the but in this case no i mean the people providing the numbers are saying that the that the poor people are gonna uh be bankrolling this uh now it doesn't explicitly say it but of course that's just what's going to happen this is common sense when you apply a 15 percent corporate tax like i said you don't tax a business you tax their employees you tax their product all right modeling every uh Oh, yeah. So this is the modeling. So one of the things they claimed here, and I think this is great, is this whole bill, the way they came up with a lot of these predictions, what is it's modeled after the energy innovation. Group. There's this ener energy innovation group model, and they just plug it in and let the numbers go. So the thing is about these models is they're not very reliable. For example, I told you already, if I increase taxes by 15 percent, you have a way of mitigating those taxes. You're going to do it right? So that you pay less. Thing about this is I could just, if I were to take this model and type in hundred percent corporate tax, nobody makes any money. I'm going to get, <coughs> according to the model, oh, you're going to make all of the money that would have been made corporately. They don't make adjustments, right? So one of the problem when you use these models is they don't, they don't compensate for you're going to have less being done because more is being tied up in taxes. That's the way it works. Or people are trying to avoid the taxes or they're passing off that tax burden to somebody else. Um, but anyway, they got them to estimate how much this would be. I told you to remember the 40% number. I think we are coming up on that next. Okay, yeah. Enact historic defi deficit reduction to fight inflation. Well, it says historic, but we have definitely, uh, we are spending $1.5 trillion a year in the red. So we're spending, what did I say? Five trillion? Six trillion. Sorry. We're spending six trillion dollars a year. We're in the red $1.5 trillion. Alleviating this deficit by $300 billion means we're just in the red by $1.2 trillion. So if that's how you're measuring inflation, this means inflation is still going to increase. 
by the rule of this bill unless they find another 1.2 trillion dollars of things to cut okay or or revenue to raise so they say so the funny thing is while this is called this is called the inflation reduction act it's actually increasing inflation but not as much it's in, in your inflation is still going to get worse but not as bad as it could have been and i'm telling you that's at that's with their predictions that's if everything works out right i am totally wrong this is all perfect that inflation will still go up but just not as much as it would have okay so that's that and that's if everything's perfect um Lowers energy costs, increase cleaner production, and reduces carbon emission by roughly 40% by 2030. There's the big lie. And this is the one that I want to get to here. Because 40%, you're going to see this number tossed around quite a bit. Now, according to their own estimates, they're actually saying this will be somewhere between 31 and 44%. All right. 40% is a little bit high. That's still higher than what it uh, should have been. Um, But... You know, or, or yeah, is, is on the high side, I guess, if you average those two numbers. But, you know, fine. We'll we'll say 40% or something. 31 to 44%. That is not factoring in the energy that we were already going to reduce based on all our other programs and bills, which is estimated to be 24 and 35%. Okay, so when you hear people say, oh, this is going to reduce greenhouse gases by by 40%, it could actually be zero. Because I want you to hear these numbers again. By estimations, by 2030, we are going to reduce, we originally, before this bill, we're going to reduce greenhouse emissions by 24 to 35%. Now it's going to be 31 to 44%. That means that we could stay, do nothing different. Literally nothing different could happen. And remember that first number, or those that first range, 24 to 35%. If it ends up being 31%, that is still what we were going to lose originally. And that is also still an estimate that we have right now with the new numbers. It says now we could lose 31, now we could reduce it by 31%. Well, we could have reduced it by 31% before. That was within the original estimates. Yeah, they basically taken this very small increment and bumped it up a little bit. We're already on pace to reduce it by. I'll play it like they do and say on the high end, 35%. Now you're saying, oh, but now we can reduce it by up to 40%, by roughly 40%. Okay, so maybe it will do a little bit more, but this idea that this bill, and it, they phrase it this way, reduces what carbon emissions by roughly 40% is a total lie. It could not reduce carbon emissions by anything, and it would still be on pace for the same prediction that they have now. If it re- if it reduces, it may, if I'm being charitable, it may reduce it by somewhere, according to their own estimates, by seven to nine or by seven to nine percent instead of you know, but over of what the original values were. Could be seven to nine percent higher. But then say that. Say we're spending $369 billion to reduce carbon emissions by seven to nine percent. Don't say you're doing it by 40% because that factors in everything we're already doing. This may that that 40% number is being tossed around by people that want this bill to look good when it doesn't. So that that's a bogus, that number is a total lie. That 40%. I know where they got it, but it is a total lie. 
Uh, all right. Next part allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices and caps out-of-pocket costs to $2,000. I already mentioned that. That's a really backwards thing, but that's what it says. Lowers ACA healthcare premiums for millions of Americans. Great. Lower premiums that we got to subsidize that we're paying for more of. Great. Uh, make biggest corporations and ultra-wealthy pay their fair share. Again, you never make a corporation pay their fair share. They make other people pay their fair share. And the very last bullet point on this entire sheet, there are no new taxes on families making $400,000 or less. That is a lie by their own metric. And, and no new taxes on small businesses. That is a lie. We talked about how the stock buyback works. We are closing tax loopholes and enforcing the tax code. That's the end of the sheet. So if you've listened to this point in the program, and subtracted all the points that were just me jabbering, you now know everything that people know. However, there's 755 pages worth of stuff. This was just the summary. We already know for a fact, because we know about that earmark, there are things that we don't know. We know there's stuff we don't know. Okay. It talks about permitting reform. Doesn't say what that looks like. Does I mean, that's not even something you technically have to pay money for. They're going to put pay money for it. There's stuff here that we just, we don't, we don't know. And, but what we do know is already bad because we can already see that there's lies here. And all we got is one page, but we can already see there's at least two just straight up. That's a lie. Things that are like pants on fire what do they give them? Four Pinocchios or whatever? Like, is that, is that the highest? Can you get five Pinocchios? They would get five Pinocchios if you can get five. They get a lot of Pinocchios for just straight up lying. And then there's other stuff here, which is like, that's using their like most hopeful fingers crossed, praying to God that everything works out perfectly. They have made tax and spend bills that pay for themselves since the dawn of time. They haven't paid for themselves. The ACA didn't pay for itself. I mean, as evidenced by this very bill, the ACA didn't pay for itself. Right? So everything else is just getting worse from there. Um, the Tax Foundation has weighed in, and with what they can find, they're estimating a loss of about 30,000 jobs and about 0.1% reduction in the GDP. That is a conservative organization, but they are pretty accurate with what's going to happen on taxes and effects and economy. So that's just, again, they're kind of operating with very loose stuff because nobody, unless you're a politician, has access to the full bill. Um, I'm going to take a brief break because that's everything, all the notes that I have on this. I just wanted you to be informed on what the Tax Reduction Act is. It is a scam. Um, it's 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 got lies in it and don't fall for them and just to come equipped with this information i'm going to take a brief break and i look forward to seeing you when i get back hang on tight thanks so much for waiting everybody i really appreciate it i got a couple more minutes here and i know i'm kind of doing a solo episode here so what do i feel like talking about that is in the news why don't we go with <coughs> why don't we go with deshaun watson um Let's yeah, let's go all the way from economics to sports. Um, Deshaun Watson, in case you didn't know, I, I think that there's a lesson here about law when we look at the Deshaun Watson ruling. Um, 
Deshaun Watson is a, a quarterback. He was accused, but not convicted by like, it, it was wild because it started, there's like 24, like two to 24 people on one lawsuit and he bought off all but 20 of them. But then there's more that have also said, yeah, like even his own team actually came forward with people that he had sex with massage therapists that he had sex with. Um, and they, but, but the reason they brought them forward is because they were like, but these people were really nice. They were really like super cool. So like with him having sex with them. So the number of him just being gross got up to like 77 plus. And it just like, it got to one of those points where it's like, you remember Bill Cosby where it's like one or two accusers. You're like, nah, no way. And then they started stacking up and you're just kind of like, Oh boy, this is getting, this is getting pretty bad. And then uh, I remember his defense team at the beginning was like, well, you know, we're innocent because we'd be settling with these women. If we were guilty, we're taking it to court. We're not going to. And then they start settling with the women and they are pleading with the remaining four women to like on the initial settlement to please take the money. Uh, so it's bad. It's bad. Uh, the Browns picked him up. The Broncos were thought to be in contention, but I am happy to say there were a lot of teams that like called. I think it was like the Saints, Falcons, Browns, whatever. I'm happy to say the Broncos didn't even call like weren't even interested. Thank goodness for that. It's hard enough to root for football with all the immorality in it to begin with, but throw Deshaun Watson in there as your quarterback. And I think I'm just turning off the tube for the year when it comes to uh, football on Sundays. Um, <clears throat> so they had a ruling and uh, they get to decide, you know, because, you know, it's he said, she said in 77 cases, he brought his own towel. Uh, he had many of them uh, when he started. Actually, this is kind of funny, too. The Texans, when he realized he was like sexually assaulting people, had him bring along and en- not NDAs for them to sign. So they're like, hey, if you're going to be sexually assaulting people, you need them to sign like non-disclosure agreements, bro. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. So he eventually starts having women sign non-disclosure agreements. Um, but I mean, he, he was covering his tracks as well as he could, um, met in places, no video cameras, got them privately. Like I said, his own towel so that he could clean himself. Um, you know, not leaving any, you know, trace evidence or anything like that. Um, eventually the, I mean, after denying it initially, the evidence got so bad that he had to be like, yeah, I was, I was trying to get jiggy with these girls, you know? So yeah, by the way, um, even if you think like for whatever reason in your mind, you think Deshaun Watson, like was not sexually assaulting these women. If you are asking a private or public massage therapist to jerk you off, you're gross. Uh, I don't know if the law can codify just being gross, but I think it's fair enough to just be like, you're a gross human being. I don't want to have you on my team because you're gross. And I think at the very least, you know, at the very least we can say that. Um, I, I will make this about the law in a moment. I just, I, I think this is a great microcosm, this whole story. So the judge citing past precedents, uh, was like, well, here's the thing. We have a couple of owners. We had one owner that slept with a prostitute, no penalties. We have one that has a couple of credible sexual assaults, you know, no penalties. Uh, we look at Ben Roethlisberger, who it was very apparent that he assaulted somebody in the restroom and some type of sexual encounter went down. 
We suspended him for six games. Um, so based on past precedents, I can only give you six games. I can't give you any more than that. And I believe her name was Sue Robinson, but props to her. I mean, you're going to be like, why are you throwing her props if she only suspended him for six games? She did look at the evidence and was like, and, and listened to testimonies and said, yeah, you're clearly sexually assaulting people. We have sexual assailants and violent physical assailants currently playing in the NFL that are not banned for life. People will remember things like Ray Rice. And I think Ray Rice is a great example to remember because he was like, what, given this really mild penalty for knocking his girl out. And then the video came to light and they're like, oh no, we got to like suspend him indefinitely. There's no way we can allow that. Imagine if the videos of Deshaun Watson assaulting these women came to light. We know he sexually assaulted them. The judge ruled you sexually assaulted somebody based on past precedents. That means a six game suspension. Okay, imagine if a video came to light of all these women being sexually assaulted. Now, we know that's not going to happen because he covered his tracks and everything like that. But just imagine the dif- the only difference with Ray Rice when we increased his suspension was seeing it. We knew he knocked her out in an elevator. That's the part we witnessed. What we didn't witness was the actual punch. And even though we knew it happened, it just seeing it shocked us so much that we we're like, oh, no, you have to suspend him forever. Right. So I think when you hear about it, you hear about Deshaun Watson sexually assaulting people. You just think, all right, you know, whatever. But if you were to see a sexual assault, if you were to see him coercing somebody into doing a sexual favor who didn't want to do it or wasn't comfortable with it, of course you demand he's banned for life, right? There's no, there's no way, right? So the only difference is whether you see it or not. Um, <coughs> so I, give, I do give props to Sue Robinson because she did everything she could. Legally, you have to go on past precedents and past precedents. This is the maximum penalty that we can give. You know, many other executives and players have have done sexual assault and physical violence. and They've gotten away with it. My issue here is with past precedents in general and legal systems. And this is something that libertarians, I think you can kind of relate to here. Past precedents is oftentimes like, oh, okay, well, you assaulted. I mean, if you think about American history. What's your penalty for assaulting another rich white person? Oh, it's a lot, you know? And then there are times in American history where assaulting a poor black kid, if they charge you at all, was codified to be less than assaulting a rich white person. And we can look at the past precedents and say, well, in the past, here's what we've done for somebody who assaults a rich person who's white. In the past, here's what we've done for somebody who assaults somebody who's poor and black. We use these past precedents We create a whole legal system. And even though our whole country has grown up, because these laws are passed, you know, when we talk about past precedents, we're talking about laws that were set a long time ago, hundreds of years ago sometimes. Women were barely people. I remember studying a little bit about uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Burr, and his big thing was proving to others that women actually had souls. It It was a huge debate during his time and among the founding fathers. Do women actually have a soul. And he was big on being like, I think they do. And that was like a hardcore stance. People were like, whoa, you're out there, brother. Here's the thing. We set up a legal system during that time that was not very respectful towards women, right? They were barely human beings. So when you keep going on past precedents, when it comes to the law, we can keep doing really bad things. 
because and and having these minor penalties for doing really bad things because the law says sorry like sorry that's past precedence i can't increase it i don't want it to be more because then it's just not fair to everybody going forward so even though all of society now is recognized women are people women have souls women if you assault a guy or a girl it deserves the same penalty okay but the law doesn't say that and now we have a situation where if you are if you are coercing massage therapists to have a sexual encounter with you obviously <laughs> regardless of what past precedence is you should not be employed by any reputable organization until you have fully admitted what you've done the browns have actually come out and said he's very remorseful now he's not done that himself because he understand that makes him look guilty the browns are aware everybody knows he's guilty and so they have to say he's really sorry about what he did he can't say that but you know you know how that goes so we can he can come out it can be obvious to everybody the browns employers the judge whatever whatever but then we look at past precedents and we look at the law we look at legal systems and we say well this is your penalty the problem we have with legal systems and with past precedents is that it it keeps us grounded in the past when we're ready to progress into something better society has largely moved on from a lot of the ills that the legal system codifies that codification of making something into law and etching it on stone takes a long time to fix and it needs a lot of work and it's not enough. I mean, we've seen things, I mean, look at the drug war now and look how unpopular, overwhelmingly unpopular it is. Marijuana is still schedule one drug. You want to talk about Brittany Griner girl got nine years for the one le a less than a kg of hash oil in Russia, the United States, that penalty is five years. So it's a little better in Russia, I guess, unless it's your second offense, in which case it's like like something like 10 or 15 or something like that years. Okay. <coughs> um, we are aware that this is stupid, but because we have these legal systems, we're like, well, hands are tied. Can't do the right thing. We can't do the right thing because the law says we can't do the right thing. You need to detach your morality from the law. Now, if you're a libertarian listener, you already know this. The reason I'm bringing up Deshaun Watson is because I think it's a good time to reach out to other people who are disgusted and should be disgusted about Deshaun Watson, who are like, I can't believe this is happening. And I, this is a real opportunity to talk about, well, that's the law. That's the way the law works. Now, it's not the law. This is like the rule of past precedents, and it's specifically the NFL. But this is an example that may help them relate to larger legal systems. If they're not naturally political, but they are like, hey, I think you shouldn't be sexually assaulting your masseuse. This is a great opportunity to all of a sudden slip some philosophy in there and talk with them. Human consciousness has grown and evolved to a better place than it was before. We're in a better place, but the law doesn't evolve like we do. When we come to recognize evils or goods, the law says, sorry, I, I already have that good labeled as an evil and you're not allowed to do it. And I already have that, that evil is either not punished at all, or sometimes even rewarded or like a light slap on the wrist. Um, and I think that that's just a good time to reach out to people. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me today.
I, uh, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, ordinarily, I will be going back, uh, obviously, to have my co-host. Like I said, today was just a heck of a day. And honestly, I had to read that whole bill. And it, I mean, that took like 40 minutes or something with my, I mean, of course, with some dialogue. But I wanted everybody to know what there is to know about it and that was going to take a long time so i just decided to fire it up anyway plus i've already missed two weeks i can't skip another week vacations can't punish you guys thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate you swinging by today i'm going to be back with my posse hopefully again next week you get to see my nice white head now that once all the skin falls off uh and hopefully i won't be sick so i won't have this really fake deep voice that i have right now um if you're a first time listener you're like this isn't a deep deep voice at all I'm a pipsqueak. You're about to hear my voice go up in a full octave. So I hope to see you next week. Everybody take care. Love you. Take care of each other. Have a good one.